We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And what you're about to hear is part two of our Andre Drummond pod, where we talk about how he fits in. Uh, You don't have to listen to the first part for the second part to make sense, but to get a more complete picture of what we think of him, definitely check that other one out. So that's what you're about to hear right now is part two of this conversation. So Drummond is an unusual defensive talent. He's, as Mike said, he's a solid guy. He's a 270. He's a big, solid dude, but he is very agile. He is, he was third in the NBA in steals last year at 270 pounds. He's always a steal and a half type of guy. Plus he's somebody who jumps passing lanes and gets deflections and will take it. He's a comfortable ball handler. Mike was talking about how he's kind of nimble and agile on his feet. That's part of why he's got such a big rebounding radius. He can go and get it, but he can also get the ball. And instead of looking for that outlet pass, he can push it up court himself. He can handle the ball. But on the defensive end, he's got perimeter ability in ways that not only is unusual for players his size, but within our scheme, Darius, you know, I always talk about the scramble situations and all that. A dude like Andre Drummond who can scramble at that size while still being a big dude, I cannot wait to see how Frank Vogel deploys him defensively. Well, it's interesting because when a player can move his feet at that size and has quick hands, he often surprises you. And I think that that's one of the reasons why a guy like him gets steals or is able to jump passing lanes. It's because... The thing that you expect him to be able to do and what he actually can do, there's a difference there. It sneaks up on you. Yeah. 
And it's sort of just like, oh, his hand got in there, right? And, or he he jabbed at the ball and knocked it away. Or he swiped you and got some cookies, right? And there's a lot of ability there that can be harnessed in positive ways. I'm very interested to see him in some of the Lakers scramble defensive situations. There's two types of scrambling. There's the work you do at the point of attack. And then there's the work you do on the back line, right? Typically, the Lakers bigs are asked to to be active at the point of attack and then recover to the paint, right? The only big guy who's asked to do more than that typically is Anthony Davis. And a lot of that is instincts-based, based off of AD's defensive basketball IQ and his intellect on that side of the floor, where he understands the flow of a possession and will then get to where he needs to go just based off the fact like, hey, I'm there now. Most of what you see from the Lakers bigs is scramble at the point of attack, recover to the paint, and the other guards and wings around you scramble more. Drummond, so... Pete, I'll put this to you and then maybe even the mic. How do you see the differences between his ability both at the point of attack versus what he could be on the backside? I think he's better as a backside defender. I think he also stacks on he's similar to another uh to RAD, right? Uh, the original AD, I suppose, um in that he's got that no guy that size should be able to move that way the way that Anthony Davis does. And so that's my biggest question about him is like, will he be able to switch for example? And then he is isolated with James Harden or Kyrie or Kawhi Leonard. Right. Uh, there are some guys that I th- like, I think that if a guy doesn't have a speed advantage, like I think he could switch on to Kawhi to some degree. Right. But it's, it's in context with Anthony Davis as well. And then the way LeBron, like, <laughs> Mike, when we go on those defensive runs, when we're fully healthy, teams can't get shots up. And Andre Drummond adds to that. He's like for a guy his size, and I'm glad that Darius brought up the hands. He's He gives us great options. We'll talk about no roller behind when it uh, makes its way back around to me. But he gives the, – the thing about him is he's so different of a center defensively than Mark, who's a great defensive player in his own right, right? He's different defensively than Trez. In some ways, he's a combination of their best attributes, of Trez's best attributes and Mark's best attributes. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on just Drummond on the defensive end in general and how he fits into our, our whole ecosystem. Career averages 1.5 blocks, 1.4 steals. And he's always up there in the stocks unofficial category that I, I really like to follow because Anthony Davis is the king in there, right? AD's career averages 1.4 steals, 2.4 blocks. Now, if you want another example, because there aren't that many guys like this, Giannis is 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks career. And all of these guys have, again, some, a similar profile in that they move so well while being massive human beings. And there was a certain element, I think, especially early this season, where people were thinking and, and desiring some kind of a JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, athleticism, physicality, all of that. And some, some, somebody that, when put in on top of LeBron and Anthony Davis, was just going to physically overwhelm you. And that's Drummond. That's Drummond. He is huge. He's going to, he, 
he was right there in the game. If you guys remember back to the Cleveland game that we, we think mostly now about LeBron just completely taking over. Remember the Cavs exec that said something to, or looked at or He didn't like, uh, he celebrated <laughs> too hard. Right. Yeah. And LeBron went nuclear. Drummond uh-huh. was a monster in that game yeah. against LeBron and AD. And he, he's one, again, he's one of the four or five guys that can physically hang with LeBron and AD. And so guess who else is Dwight Howard. And even at this age, and so now you kind of plug him in there. And I have some of the same questions defensively, Pete, where I'm, I want to go back and watch a couple of Cavs games. Again, Drummond hasn't played in two months, but I want to watch a couple of games and, and just sort of to see how he switches onto guards and all that. But I have, I have an inclination that it's going to look pretty good in purple and gold, especially once LeBron and AD get back and he doesn't have to do the same level of basically – trying to be the whole back line himself in certain aspects, like he was in Detroit uh, a couple years ago, like for this, this weird season in Cleveland, where, as you mentioned, he's playing with, with Larry Nance at the three, and there just isn't that much space uh, defensively because they're playing three big. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it all works, but I think that, I think optimism should, uh, should root the day here. Um, so that, that's something I'm excited to see in, on the actual court. Pete, you mentioned no roller behind And I think Vogel is never going to be a guy who just abandons whatever his baseline scheme is, right? Mm -hmm. Like he will tweak it here and there. I think he's made some tweaks, especially recently, to sort of accommodate Trez's strengths because he was really the last big man standing, right? For sure. And even even this year, like we've scaled that back even from the beginning a lot, but it's you're right. It's not gone. It's still part of the scheme. The idea of having your big guy not switch – Right. So if if your big man is not switching, then at some point he's going to recover back to his own man. Right. And the nature in which you execute that can be different. Right. You can you can strong hedge and recover. You can jab and sort of retreat. You can play in a complete drop. You Like there's lots of different ways. And I think Vogel has played with all of those different tactics. Um both last year and this year, depending on what the matchups dictate for that guy to be, right? So against a Damian Lillard or a Steph Curry, he's nev- he's almost never in drop against those guys because the ability for those guys to just walk into three-pointers means that it's just like you're just surrendering a key aspect of their game to them. And so you're never going to drop against those guys. And that's why when I see teams drop, against those players i'm just like either your big man is so limited defensively that you feel like you have no other option or i don't know what you're thinking in terms of what your defensive Mm -hmm. game plan is right and so vogel's been very good about making tweaks like that but in the same way that the lakers operated when damian jones played his two 10-day contracts, Vogel felt very comfortable sort of going like, ah, the the warm, <laughs> the warm blanket yes. of no roller behind and, uh-huh. and planning my big guy in the paint and saying, beat me over the top. Oh, I missed you so much, right? Because that's not a coverage that you can really run with Gasol or with Trez. And AD has been out and hasn't played as much center this year anyway for so long that it's just like when Damian Jones came, you could just tell Frank was just like, yes, I'm with it. <laughs> and so Drummond, I think, gives him, it puts that coverage back in his tool bag, 
It, it absolutely does. I would love to zoom in real quick on No Roller Behind from the perspective of Andre Drummond or whomever is playing that position. And so as he's in a drop coverage, so as the guard comes around a screen at the top of the key, he's dropped, but he's not standing under the basket. And there's this game of cat and mouse as the guard comes around the screen where if he comes up too high, the guard's going to try to blow by him. If he sags too far back, the guard's going to shoot an open pull-up because the guy who was defending that guard that got screened hasn't recovered yet, right? And so there's this moment, and this is what's so cool about basketball, is that there's all of these moments that are one, one and a half second scenarios where the guard is like, oh, did he, is his weight shifted too far forward that I'm going to drive by him? Is his, or is, is he on his heels because he's worried I'm going to drive? I'm going to pull up for this elbow jumper right here. And all of these decisions are making, and that goes back to the beginning of the pod, is that since offensive attack can be initiated from anywhere on the court, there's all sorts of decisions on when do I strike on the offensive end and where do I strike from and why do I do that? It's, it, there are so many decisions that are that are being made on a single possession. From Drummond's perspective, how does Drummond get steals? 1.9 steals per game last season, right? And Mike read his career title, totals. It's not an anomaly. Drummond is great at if that guard sneaks a little too – it comes a little too close into his radius, Drummond's got really fast hands. He's going to strip that guy down low. Dwight used to do this last year in this exact same coverage. But in what no roller behind means is the roll man, the guy who sets the screen, you can't let him get behind you for that lob. And so if Drummond is stabbing at the ball down there, down low, the roll man is rolling to the basket. That lob is open. He's also got to be able to get back. And that's another place where he gets a lot of his steals is he's stabbing down low. And then if that doesn't work, he's able to shift his weight back and break up. He breaks up a ton of lobs. The one thing that I have a question about, though, is that his from watching tape on him this year, he doesn't has not looked like the leaper that he did in previous seasons. I want to read Mike real quick. His. Um, I, I want to read his field goal percentage, right? This is translates to a point. Well, we're still talking about defense, but by year, 61%, 62%, 51%, 52%, 53, 53, 53, 53, 55, 47 this year. And that is one thing that I noticed on tape is that he's not as anything, right? That, that I missed out on, um, that's one thing I'm hoping is that can he get some of that athletic pop back? So anyway, I want to win a bunch of different places there. Go whatever way you want to go with that, Mike. I'll try to do the optimist perspective on the field goal and the explosion and the burst and, and sort of all of that. I think that if you pull out, if you pull out certain games, for example, the one against the Lakers, pop looked great, right? The explosion. Sure. Uh, so I think that this may be a case. And again, this could be charitable coming from a Lakers perspective that he was not in the best situation in the world. He had gotten he had gotten traded to a team that didn't really seem to want him, particularly once they then went out and acquired Jared Allen. And yet, right, right. they're still he's still out there playing. You know, it's 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 a tough it's one of those what's the real point of what I'm doing situations. 
And mm-hmm. the competitor in all of us is going to say, I don't care what the circumstances are. You're always going to play at your best, et cetera. You know, the rebounds were still there, right? He, so it wasn't like he was not, he was completely unproductive, but there was a certain extra level of oomph missing perhaps. And, and I haven't even talked about the pandemic, right? At this point, or the fact that yeah. there are no fans and yeah. Yeah. all of that. So my, my guess is that we will be able to tell pretty early in the Milwaukee game what the pop looks like. And my guess is that I, I think he most likely will look like he's been shot out of a cannon. Now, if it continues and we see for the next couple of weeks that the percentages is, is where it is, that's fine. But Darius, I know you were, you were looking at some of the numbers, so I want to bring this over to you. I just pulled up his random shooting splits uh, from a couple of years ago. And just to see sort of the from where he was getting his shots and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it does tell you something, right? Like he's so 76% field goal percentage on alley-oops. On, let's see, uh, 86% on dunks. Layups, 50%. Tip shots, 50%. Jump shots, 25%. Hook shots, 37%. So there's a certain type of bucket. And th- th- that shows you right there. Like if you want LeBron or to a lesser extent, Schroeder or Caruso, whoever else has the ball, feeding him. You, like you, that's that's all. All of those shot types are pretty clear. Like when he is doing it himself, whether it's the hook or the whatever it is, it's not going to be as efficient. And that's how most of his career has been. So add how the pop or lack thereof this season into that if you want. But I do think that there's a pretty clear method by which Drummond can be more effective. And I think Frank Vogel will be aware of that. I agree with all that. Uh, I want to make one last point about his defense and Vogel. I think Vogel's going to look at Drummond and sort of, at least initially, and feel like a kid in a candy store, right? Because I think he's going to look at him as a sort of physical presence that he had last season that that basically has not been present this season on this year's roster. Drummond is big like Gasol. He moves probably not as well as Trez, but just like Mike mentioned earlier, he has a certain amount of agility. His nickname is the Big Penguin for a reason, right? Because he is big and sort of got that penguin type body where it's just like, oh, you were just thick all the way through your whole frame, right? But just like happy feet, right? Like the old cartoon where it's just like, oh, but you've got quick feet, so you move a certain way. And Drummond is not as athletic as Dwight. He is not the leaper that Dwight was. He's not as tall or as long as JaVale, right? And so I do not want to equate him to the same type of athlete that those guys were. But he is... He is a different type of athlete than Vogel has had at his disposal all this season. And I think that Vogel's defensive mind and his acumen defensively as a head coach, I think he's going to look at Drummond like, let's take this new car out for a spin and let's see what we can do. And and Pete, I see you nodding your head there because... Vogel always looks through the lens of defense first. That's just his mentality. And and if Drummond proves he can't play defensively, I think that's going to be to his detriment in terms of his overall role within the team, at least in the 
at least in the long term. In the short term, I think he has to play regardless. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, his utility as a defensive player, I think, is what's going to matter. I think there's some tools there. There's some raw production there, blocks and steals. But how 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 do you envision Vogel just sort of fitting him in to the big picture of of his scheme? And how excited do you think he is about bringing him on? If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all the other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com backslash join That's bwhustle.com backslash join. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. 
I like you said the kid in the candy store candy store and even the warm blanket analogy of like the this is my base coverage that I don't have to adjust. This is the like how I like to play defense with Roy Hibbert, JaVale, Dwight, and all that. Um, I think he's and then like I said, he's a unique talent. He's he's a, a very unusual type of talent for being a guy that big and that size. And having two of those guys is nuts defensively right Andre Drummond is a better defensive player than he is offensive player Mike made the good point of and and breaking down the different types of shots that he takes a big underlying reason for that and is why I brought and compared him to JaVale is that Andre Drummond gets off balance when he has to create his shot and he will start driving to the rim and if he can get all the way to the rim great right He's not good at using the backboard in particular. And so there can be, and there are some plays where he doesn't elevate for the dunk, right? But there are other plays where the defense cuts off his first move. He does not have a counter to that. He is a train with no brakes. It is going to be a wild shot. He's figuring it out as he goes. Uh, There's not going to be a lot of kickouts. He's got some passing ability, but not on those driving type of situations. And that's where some of those rebounds come from. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Getting getting his own. The old Moses Malone. Moses Malone. Yeah. He tips. He will. He will tip more balls around the rim than anybody you've ever watched. We'll have more conversations about this. I am. I think this signing is bad news for the Clippers in particular. I think that in a seven game series against them, (laughs) Mike, (laughs) in a seven game series against them, I think we've got the four best, um, the four best athletes in the front court in that. And, and so that whole double jumping tipping, I'm envisioning scenarios where it's him and AD doing that with LeBron James on the court or some combination thereof. And you got Trez in there too. I think we're going to be really problematic for them on the offensive boards. One of my favorite parts of AD is when he really wants to get a rebound on either either end of the court. Yeah. Um, yeah. R- random random Pistons trivia for you guys. Who's the Who's the last All Star? I mentioned Blake Griffin as the only All Star that Blake that uh, Drummond ever played with. Who is the last All Star All Star on the Pistons uh, before Andre Drummond? Oh boy, Grant Hill. So, Darius, you got a guess? Oh, man. Maybe Stackhouse? Grant Hill sounds right, but... You're, so you're missing, you're, missing the good, you're missing the good teams, but, but there's one in between, you know, like the... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like the Ben Wallace, yeah, those yeah. guys. Oh, duh. You're duh, missing of that course, group, yeah. but... So I, I blocked the four out, all right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's no longer part of my memory. It's, uh, I've, I've erased it. I don't know who those guys are. So... In 0708, yeah, and, and again, I'm not like flexing here. I'm I'm literally looking it up. So um, Chauncey, Hamilton, and Rashid all made the Elstrick to 708. That last run after, the, like when they were making the finals every year. Right. But there's, but AI actually in 0809. Oh, yes. Alan Iverson. I don't remember that. Yeah. Was that one of those like, thank you for a great career type of kind of selection? Was he still? I mean, he, yeah. was, he, he was putting up some decent numbers, but like he was on the, yeah, he, he was. That was his back. last good year yeah. because he got traded for Chauncey. Yeah. Remember, oh, Chauncey, Chauncey right. went to Denver. Chauncey uh-huh. went to Denver, right? Because AI was in Denver with Mello. And then Chauncey went to Denver and then they made that run, Pete, that ended with. Yeah. The Lakers stuffing them out. And then they went seven years before their next All-Star, who was Andre Drummond. And he didn't play with a single All-Star his entire time there until Blake came. So that's that's just kind of back to that whole. And I think I think I'm gonna ask him about that in the press conference. Like what 
just what does that do? What does that do to his game? Because all of the parts of his game that to me are like are going to be that he can he's got so many strengths. And you guys always talk about this to focus on a player's strengths uh, as opposed to their weaknesses and how Vogel can do that. Like with Harold to an extent, with Gasol to an extent, Drummond's got a lot to offer there. And if you, they have the roster to be able to focus on his strengths and not need him to do a single thing outside of his strengths for them to win. That's right. That's exactly it. And even with with Blake in that year, like Drummond's never really played with a shot creator. Certainly nobody in the same stratosphere as LeBron. That's right. Like Brandon Jennings. mm -hmm, That has massive implications on a player like Drummond. One last thing that I want to ask you about, guys about before we wrap up. There are 48 minutes at the center position. Marcus Gasol has been the starter. He was out with the health and safety protocols, right? Darius, how the hell does this all shake down? Look, so it's interesting. And I mentioned this in the piece I wrote is that a lot of the reporting around the choice that Andre Drummond was going to make was going to be that the Lakers offered an opportunity for him to compete for the starter spot and step right in to to the starting center role. That role has been filled basically by Marcus Gasol the entire season. So I don't know what they're going to do here, guys. Like I could envision them starting Drummond eventually, like not this upcoming week, but the week after and sort of reshuffling the deck there especially if promises were made i could definitely see them doing that right and 48 minutes at center is tricky like vogel has seen trez as a center only could we see minutes with gasol and trez on the floor together like yeah i don't know to me trez Trez is sort of proven, especially in this interim period with no Braun and and no AD, that they need his offensive punch. Bro, we'd be scoring 80 points a game right now without Trez. And and so the idea of not of like cutting Trez's minutes is a tricky one to me. It, now, if Drummond shows that he could score at like a high level, then maybe you feel more comfortable with cutting Trez's minutes, but it's not so crazy that the Lakers would have three centers that they want to play. They did that last season with AD being the third center. But when AD is back and all of these guys are healthy, that's four centers. And unless you start to feel comfortable with Trez playing some power forward, which then puts a squeeze on Markeith Morris and everything else, like there's a domino effect to having this many viable players rotation players and we saw this earlier during the season Vogel was trying to play 11 guys he did that for a while and then he said look man there's not enough there's not enough rhythm there's not enough rhythm with these guys we need more minutes for them and that means we have to remove guys from the rotation and he went to nine guys now He's got 12 dudes. The Lakers didn't subtract anyone, and they added another guy who is a viable rotation player. Mike, I know in the big picture, you're a big picture guy. Give me both perspectives. Like, do you see it as a challenge, big picture? And in the short term, how do you see it going with just these three guys available? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a good problem to have, though. It's still, you'd rather have the option than not. And I think what Vogel has shown, he's already shown us how he's going to handle this. He's going he's gonna to keep guys engaged enough uh, to whereas he's going to just he's going to put players in um, if they haven't played in a couple of days. 
but there's just it's impossible for them all to play. So on some nights, Marcus is not playing at all. On some nights, Markeith Morris isn't playing at all. I don't think that there will be nights where Drummond and Harrell don't play because I think Frank's going to want to going to want to assert most likely uh, again just this is my initial take. I think Drummond most likely will start. I think Harrell most likely will come off the bench, and then there are certain times where, given the matchup, Marcus All can come in. Let's say you're playing Brooklyn and DeAndre is their backup center. Then I'm probably going to go to Mark instead of Montrose Harrell or Keith at the backup five. If you're playing a team like Phoenix and Dario Saric is your backup five, then I'm probably playing Trez. And I'm and this is where, like, this is where again, if you are a championship contending team, this can be okay. And if you're if you have LeBron, because if you have a problem, you're going to look over and you're going to see LeBron James and you're be like, well. You know, what am I what am I gonna say to LeBron? You you can't say anything to LeBron on a roster. That's the beauty of it right now. And Davis to a, a lesser extent. And I think that also, Pete, to kick this back to you, you're you're gonna want to ease AD in. And you damn sure don't have to worry about AD thinking he's got to take a bunch of a pounding at the five now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's not that's not gonna be an issue. Ultimately, I still think you're closing five against most teams. AD at the five is, is the best. And so what I want to know, Pete, is, is to loop in a question on top of getting your opinion, as we all do this to each other all the time, right? Uh, <laughs> can Drummond sort of function as a four in certain ways, defensively, et cetera, so that he's still on the floor with AD or or whatever. You call him the four, like, but then you're not getting the spacing, but you're sort of making up for it. Like, I think it can work. But that's the thing that I'm curious about because I don't think that Gasol or Trez are going to be in that mix for your best closing lineup most times. Like maybe there's a time where Trez is just eating and, and that's fine. But so that's the question is that how how often can you, you know, can you can you still get what you're the awesome nature of LeBron, AD and three perimeter guys that shoot, that defend, that run their asses off, that switch. Can you replace, you know, Kuzma with Drummond and still get that? That's that's what I'm interested to see. And, and you know, it's a good problem to have, though, I do think. It is because Kuzma and Drummond are very different types of players, right? And that's the general point trying to be made of if LeBron and AD are the key makers, the skeleton keys that can fit in any door, um, emphasizing specialists around them and different styles of guy, you can go to any tool that you need. Um, it's funny, when you brought up the idea of Drummond at the four, I, I felt myself doing the kombucha girl face, right? Where she drinks the kombucha and she's like, oh, that's gross. And then like, yeah. well, hey, that's not. I tried, no, I tried no, hard no. kombucha the other day. You know, oh yeah, how is, I've never, I've never had kombucha. What's it like? Oh, kombucha. It? So kombucha is good. I, so, the, okay, tiny tangent. Lakers plant. Please. It's been a while, okay, since I've been on the Lakers plant. <laughs> but they always have those, like the good kombuchas that are four to five bucks at, Ralph's or Whole Foods or whatever your supermarket chain is. And and so the just just by nature of maximizing value, a lot of times I'll drink one of those instead of you know a water or a juice or whatever, because it's you know it's it's a it's a good value prop. So I started drinking uh-huh. them on the plane and, and they're good. And you feel like you're getting some of these probiotic, whatever the you know, the advanced yeah. health stuff that it looks like Darius might might have up there in the bay, you know, a couple That's years right. ahead of us. <laughs> You know, so, That's right. yeah. so I'm, I'm into, I'm into the kombuchas and then the hard kombucha, you know, yeah, same thing. Like not, not the, not the traditional perfect mix, but like pretty good, pretty decent. 
I, I will have to try. Lord knows I living in LA, we've got we've got it all over the place. I will have to give it a shot one of these days. So with Drummond as at the four as as my kombucha, he's got ball handling ability and agility. He can defend the four. He can defend that position to some degree, right? The one thing I haven't watched enough tape on him is the degree to which he can switch at point of attack. And that was the nature of Darius's question. I don't know the answer to that. I haven't been able to get that deep into his tape uh, to, to give an opinion on that. And I do think that that's one of those things that the answer to that will greatly determine whether or not he can do that at the, at the four spot. I would say too that, look, there were... 82 game season last season that got cut short, right? Mm -hmm. But the way I look at this is how many games did Dwight Howard close? Maybe six to ten. Right. Of that of those 70 games that the team team played. I think that I think Mike, it'll be very matchup specific. I think it'll come down to value um defensively first and on the backboards. And because you have LeBron in AD, they can space. Right. So there is an idea of playing like, oh, we have to go five out. AD is going to space at the corner. LeBron is going to run pick and rolls with guards. And and that's going to be the answer. Right. To beat the team. That said, there is a four out solution where AD also spaces to the corner, but you run pick and roll. Or you camp a dude in the dunker spot. LeBron is still running pick and roll with a traditional big while AD spaces or you get the switch that you want. LeBron isolates up high and there's a dude in the dunker spot, but AD is then somewhere else right on the floor and in where his, his shooting, whatever gravity that he has helps you and you feel comfortable enough defensively to say, this is the way that we're going going to go. Do I see Drummond being a fixture in a closing lineup? I do not. Do mm -hmm. I think that he could close a game here or there, um, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs? Sure. I think it's a lot of that's going to depend on, look, if he's giving Jokic any, everything that he can handle, right? Or he is giving Nurk, Nurkic everything that he can handle. If, if he's able to play at the point of attack a little bit, um, defensively and function in in the Lakers scheme, sure, I think that that he could close a game here or there. The tricky thing will always be, Mike, to me at least, is how engaged is he able to be if his minutes fluctuate? I think, and that's a question for every player, every night. Um, we answered that a little bit earlier with what we hope or what we expect, but in practice, I think we're just going to have to see it. What I will say though, is, is that in a compressed schedule, depth is always going to be important. And look, Mark is still on a minutes restriction. There are still things that from just a practicality standpoint, there will be nights where you're going to want to hold a guy's minutes down and Drummond is going to help there one last thing that i wanted to put to you guys genie our faithful and great producer had mentioned this to us and i think it's a bit of an important thing in terms of fitting drummond in and welcoming him i think you saw a lot of guys last night talking about like hey it's gonna be great to have this guy in drummond's played like 300 games in his career with kcp 
And remember, Keith was bought out by the Pistons last season. And so Keith is another former teammate of Drummond's. All those little connections, I think, help and are going to help Drummond integrate even more, right? Beyond having LeBron and AD, he's walking into this locker room and seeing familiar faces. And if there is something, Mike, that you were going to ask Drummond when the presser comes, I'd love to hear his perspective on like how much that does or does not help him or how he envisions that um, being a factor in whether it's his decision-making or how well he thinks that's going to aid in his transition to this team. Yeah, that's one of the difficult things about this season is getting continuity, right? Some of that we can't get back due to the injuries, but any little bits of connective tissue of familiarity are going to, to come in handy. Because aside from health, that's, I think, the biggest challenge that we face is that we've not been able to build chemistry that's based on we just played the last 50 games together, right? We, that opportunity is gone yeah. as a result of the injury. So those things are, are important. And that's why you're um, in the one spot right now, right? There's health and continuity. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so to wrap it up, the with the idea of who plays and who doesn't, I think the most elegant solution is for Mark to be out of the rotation. And there's part of that that I, I don't like because it, it, it is... I don't like from the perspective that it's not an indictment on Mark. I've been talking about how at the all-star break, we made a stylistic shift, a philosophical shift toward more pick and roll type of play. And the best, the one guy who's kind of the odd man out in that style of play amongst our rotation guys is Mark Gasol. Everybody else can shoot that skip pass three bait off of a off of a ball screen. Uh, we've been running a lot of the horn sets, a lot of stagger screen. All of these things are related to each other. Everybody else fits in a really you know that matches their game, except for Mark. And the the analogy I would make is like a classical musician trying to play in a jazz group, right? A lot of the skills will translate and they know music and so they can fit in to some extent, but there's also some degree of it where it's just not a natural fit. And so that I think is the most, again, ele elegant solution to that. But of course that comes with, how does Mark feel about that, right? There's, there are personality, there are elements like that, that I think are going to be a, um, you know, it's going to be a story from here on out is, is how does, if does Vogel go that route for one and two, how does Mark take that? Um, that said in the whole spirit of Trez is a great finisher where Drummond is not Drummond is a great defensive rebounder where Trez is not. If you need passing and shooting decision-making, neither Trez nor Dr Drummond are particularly good decision makers. Neither guy's a three point threat. Mark is the third part of that that may not be in part of the rotation but when we look at the playoffs last year i think of dwight's journey throughout the playoffs portland series everybody was available including javelle houston series dwight couldn't play in that series denver series dwight was enormously important in that series then back to the finals dwight couldn't really play in that he started but would play like eight minutes right and those were usually our, our worst minutes so i think that the all these guys together the three centers and ad that we have somebody for every single scenario and it's just a matter of the personalities fitting that's the last that's the point right there pete somebody for every different scenario it, it makes me think of last year's dodgers a championship winning group where they had so much talent 
there were there are a couple guys that were going to be plugged in for sure every night, and it was Bellinger, and it was Seager, and it was Turner. But then there were other guys where oh, you need a situational left-handed hitter. Okay, mm-hmm. you need a you need a you need some speed in the outfield. Boom, like it's got Kike in there, like there. And then now the yep. Lakers, I don't think you you I don't think you just completely remove Marcus All from the rotation, but you have him be a specialist for certain matchups for certain times. You need playmaking at the five spot, like right now these last two games. For certain times, mm-hmm. you want spacing from the five. If you want to open up the paint uh, for LeBron and AD, if a team is just trying to stack it in, in against Drummond or whatever, and that's where you call upon him or Keith. But you, yeah, you're not going to play every night, and that's just that's just a sacrifice for basically everybody but LeBron and AD because you're trying to win a title. If it were me, I would still be finding a shift or two for Mark a game. Hmm. I think that of all of the guys on the roster, he may be the one who needs rhythm the least. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the arguments for like, oh, let's get this guy rhythm. He needs to play more. Gasol just had COVID. The Lakers do not practice, basically. So they have not had a lot of meaningful court time. And this idea of, but he's been able to come back and and look relatively effective to me. And... I would still try to find some time each game for him to get a shift. Like Mark's not going to be a guy who plays eight minute shifts. Like that's not really his game at this point. I might play him five or six minutes. I might pair him with LeBron or with AD. Um, I might pair him with Dennis or with KCP guys who can sort of protect him athletically, but who can, um, really benefit from his passing and spacing, right? Like, I think that there's a role for everyone. Um, I wouldn't just uh, extricate him from the rotation entirely. That said, when it comes down to brass tacks, he may be the guy or one of the guys who finds himself out of the rotation for several games at, at a time. But... In the short term, at least, I think he's going to have to play. And when AD comes back, I think that's when Vogel's going to have to make the real decisions. But we'll see. And when LeBron comes back, there's going to be some real decisions to make. Because I honestly think Vogel will play all four of these dudes, right? Just because he's going to need the manpower and he's going to need the scoring ability. And I think he's going to need the different lineup versatility in order for this group to function. That's just my two cents. It's uh, like like Mike says, good problems to have, man. And and uh, we're you rarely get a talent like Andre Drummond on the buyout market. I would argue he's, if not the one of the most talented players that have hit the buyout market to be acquired at this point, at this point of his career, right? So uh, certainly has holes in his game, but I think that we are a unique situation, especially within context of the other players that we have and their strengths and weaknesses that we have a different guy for every scenario. So should be exciting. Got a uh, one of the few times where we've got both Monday and Tuesday off of Laker games. Lakers are back against Milwaukee on Wednesday, which should hopefully be Andre Drummond's debut. Very exciting. Excited to see him in form blue and gold, as it were. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Down.
Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.